Let us turn back to the portion we have read. Read in the book of Genesis in chapter 45. We want to look again at words beginning at verse 25 and to the end of the chapter in their context and indeed in their wider context. And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father and told them, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent, which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. And we want to look at two themes, one of them in a wider context. The first theme is the bruised spirits of Jacob's children consoled. And for that one, we will need to take a wider, a wider view. And then secondly, the grief of Jacob turned to joy. And in that order, Twenty-two years before this chapter, the incidents of this chapter, the ten sons of Jacob perpetrated an awful sin. They sold their brother Joseph into slavery. That wasn't the end of it. They didn't confess this sin to their father. They lived a lie all these 22 years thereafter. Persuading their father that a beast had taken hold of him and uh, slaughtered him. And they took his coat, which they had spattered with blood, as evidence of that. Great, great sin. And I hear you saying, oh, that's terrible. But each of us here has been guilty of a greater. We have crucified the Lord of glory. That is how Peter puts it, writing to his correspondence. We weren't present at the crucifixion. We didn't put the nails in his hands. We didn't spike the lance into his side. We didn't put the scourge him with the thorns and so on. We weren't physically present. But in a sense, we were. And that's why the charge is we crucified the Lord of glory. 
it is we were that was equivalent to what was there with those who were saying give us barabbas take him away whenever we saying, give us the world take him away out of our sight we don't have one dozen man to rule over us it's equivalent to we crucified the lord of glory It's a major sin, even more major than the sin of the ten sons of Jacob. What I want to look at tonight is how these sons were brought to repentance. And in doing so, I want to quote from the Catechism, what is repentance unto life? Repentance unto life is a saving grace, whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, doth with grief and hatred for his sin, turn from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. You see in that three particular things that make up repentance. First is conviction of sin, out of a true sense of his sin. Second is apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ. And third is turning from that sin with grief and hatred, turning from it. We want to see that that is, in a, at least in a measure, illustrated in the way that the sons of Jacob were brought to repentance. The first thing we note is these sons of Jacob, they went down to Egypt 22 years after their crime doesn't seem to have been a slightest worry to them. Doesn't seem to have concerned them one little bit what has happened some 22 years before. How was it that they were brought to repentance? Well, the first thing to note is strange providences pursued them. God was pursuing them in providences. And in these providences, he was in effect calling them to repentance. The first providence was the famine that came over the whole of the Middle East area. And then Jacob decided that his sons should go down to Egypt where there was food to make fine provision for his family. When they went down there, they found that the, the governor, the governor, the man that was in charge, they didn't realize it, you know, was Saint Joseph. And it was Joseph they had dealings with. They didn't recognize him, as I say. He recognized them. And um, 
he accused them of being spies, of having come to spy out the nakedness of the land. No, they weren't, they claimed. They were the sons of a respectable family. Their father was left behind uh, in their own country. Um, one was left, one was left behind, and uh, there was another one is not, not, they said, referring to the very person that they were speaking to without realizing it. He accused them of being spies. They were put in prison, put in wards is the way it's put in the book of Genesis. And then after three days, uh, took them out of the imprisonment. Setting them free, he was going to keep one of them as a hostage, Simeon. The rest of them were to go be free. Food was to be given to them, they would go back to their own land but they must return with their brother, Benjamin. It's at that point that we find conscience coming into it. You'll find it in 42, verse 31. Doesn't matter, wrong, wrong, wrong text, but sorry, 34, 42, verse 34. Not that either. They quarreled among themselves. They remembered what they had done to their brother. They remembered how he had agonized Luke as they sold him into slavery. Their conscience was coming into play. They returned to their own land. They found that every man of them had a sack of money inside their, their own sacks. They began to fear. And you'll find that if you look at the story, the narrative again, how often these incidents in God's providence brought them to fear. They told their father that they must return. If they were to return, they must return with their brother Benjamin. And of course, he was not willing to murder that. But the famine continued. Ultimately, he went down. They went down to Egypt again, bringing their brother Benjamin with them. And the providences continue. We find that, uh, passing over much of the narrative, but you'll notice there how Joseph brought them into a feast, a family feast with them. 
every one of them was put in order at the table, the table order from the oldest to the youngest. They must have wondered, how is this? They were set free, but then the Joseph's silver cup was given, was put in the sack of one of them. Indeed, it was put in Benjamin's. And you can read the narrative yourselves. Part after part of this strange providences that were coming over them. They feared. They said on one occasion, what is, what is God doing to us? They remembered their sin. This is the first part of the conviction of their sin. Now, applying that to ourselves tonight, you might say, well, I haven't met with such strange providences as are there in the book of Genesis. But has there been some preparatory work in your life, the Lord pursuing you? Have there been bereavements? Has there been some, straight, some particular providence that has brought to your recall how you have become forgetful of the teaching you received in your youth, how you have gone away uh, from uh, Christ Jesus that was taught in your home. The effect on these men was that they were brought to a conviction of sin. But when they were brought to that conviction of sin, it was a conviction of sin as against themselves. What, has, what is God doing to us? It was a sense of reproach, a, a remorse over what they had done. But there it was, there was that burden, first and foremost, of the conviction of their own sin, to, against myself to an extent. And the second part is, you find it in the beginning of our chapter that we have read. Their encounter with Joseph himself in his mercy. No longer speaking to them through an interpreter. No longer speaking to them by his, by his Egyptian name. I am Joseph, I am Joseph, your brother. Is my father yet alive? It was like a bolt of lightning to them, a shock to their whole system. And would, although the Lord is dealing gently with them and in mercy, the effect at first must have been just to increase their remorse. But then he continues. You see, Joseph is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is merciful. And the mercifulness is there. Is my father yet alive? And then when he goes on a little further, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold. Yes, you have sinned, but the brotherly connection still continues. That brotherly relationship 
is not dissolved. And then still further, you see, speaking to them that the providence of God was such that they had the providence the providence of God had been such that they had done good. They had been they had sold Joseph into Egypt, but then Joseph had been used in Egypt for the good of many, many souls, not just in Egypt, but in Canaan also. God's amazing providence. He sins sinlessly, you might say. He controls providence in a good way. And they had been instrumental in bringing about that good. And so there's the kindness of Joseph expressed in that way to them. The kindness of Christ expressed to us in similar ways. And whatever had been there of conviction of sin prior to this, whatever had been there of burden of sin as against myself, as it were, now they begin to see sin as against Joseph. Now we begin to see, when you look at it spiritually from a wider context, our sin against the antitype of Joseph, our sin against Christ, his mercy towards me, his good dealings with me. And now you see there's the conviction of sin, but in a different way. It's not just a conviction of sin as against myself and bringing remorse. It's a burden of sin as against the God of mercy. Against thee, thee only have I sinned. Against thee deny the sin. You're coming closer. It's not just a burden of remorse. There's a burden of burden of sin as against against Joseph, against God. Well, there's two items there then. You have, first of all, conviction of sin. Now you've got conviction of sin in a different way, and with including, as the Catechism puts it, an apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ. But then there's a third part. You may very well say that he had been that, that, that repentance was there already, but there must be proof of it. There must be the turning with holy hatred from that sin. And so there was a test put to him, test put to them. They would go up to what go up, must go up to Joseph, must go up to Jacob, and explain the whole story to him. It's going to be difficult. But that must be the proof that they have turned with revulsion from their sin, that they have truly repented. And we believe that these brethren did just that. And that there was that repentance, therefore, with them. All of these aspects, the turning from sin, the apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, and the turning with revulsion from their own sin. 
Some might say, oh, there's no proof that he, that, 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 uh, that he that, that told the whole story. I think they did tell the whole story. The reason for that is that Benjamin was with them. Brother of Jay, the brother of Joseph, and um, he would have ensured surely that the whole narrative was told. Another proof of it was that had they wanted to tell a lie, the best way of doing it would be to get rid of Benjamin on the on the journey, just as they had got rid so many years ago of Joseph himself. Well, they didn't do that. They went up in the way that Joseph had bidden them not to fall out on the way. We must take from that that they gave full obedience, that they told the whole narrative concerning this event to Jacob. And that's what you find an illustration of um, repentance unto life there in this incident. Just read it once more. Repentance unto life is a saving grace, whereby a sinner out of a true sense of a sin, well, there was something of a true sense of sin there with them, with him, with them, with them when they, not just when it was a turning from sin as against themselves, but in the face of the mercy that Jacob, Joseph was showing them, a hatred of sin as against Joseph, hatred of sin as against the, the antitype of Joseph against Christ, an apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, and then turning with grief and hatred of their sin unto God. Surely there was something of that with these men, a hatred of sin and telling the whole narrative of what they had done to their father. And there must be a repentance unto life with us. And we must seek, it is a grace of God, and we must seek that grace from himself to recognize our sin. They were so ready for these 22 years not to see anything of the heinousness of their sin going jauntily down to Egypt to get food until the Lord began to pursue them in his providences. Has the Lord been pursuing you? Has the Lord been speaking to you? How often have you heard sermon after sermon spoken to you of what is required? Is there a conviction of sin, not just against yourself, a sense of remorse, but all seeing that sin as against the Christ of God in all his mercy, in all his readiness to receive, even you as a sinner still, arms still open wide. And is there the test of turning with full soul, turning from sin, turning to Christ himself, turning to his people, Seeking obedience, the grace of obedience to serve him and to give him the preeminence in every aspect of our lives. That's what's required of us. Simple as, simple as that.
Now, secondly, uh, here, the case of, of Jacob himself being set free, being set free from the grief that was his, his grief being turned into joy, the news coming to him, Joseph is yet alive. After those 22 years, when he had mourned for him, great sorrow. And notice when he had, when he had finally let go and J J Benjamin was allowed to go with the other brothers down to Egypt. Oh, how sore that was to him. He felt that this was bringing his head down to the grave. He didn't see the hand of God, the Father, in the providence that was passing over him. He must have known the history of his people. His grandfather, Abraham, The promise that had been given to him of a seed that would outnumber the sand of the sea. And um, that was to come through his posterity. Renewed to Isaac and renewed to Jacob himself. That promise was there. And the Lord was governing the providence that passed over them towards that end. And Jacob had lost sight of it. Lost sight of the promise that we have more clearly in the New Testament. That he makes all things work together for the ultimate good of his people. Bringing down to the grave, he said, by what was passing over him. Mourning over the loss of this brother, this son, this providence, so sore to him. And now, the very reverse. Joseph, your son, is alive. Couldn't believe it at first. Find that with the disciples in the New Testament. They believe not for joy. The emotions can become so strong that we can't take it in. But then he, when the wagons, when he saw the wagons, his spirit revived. The wagons that would have come from Egypt would have been much of a much better class and construction than anything that was there in the Israelites' own possession. He realized this is truly from the Lord. This is truly a message to me. He believed and he rejoiced. His sorrow was turned unto joy. So it should be. Because here was God in his God in providence making all things 
work towards a glorious end. This was the way that the Israelites were going to be kept as a distinct nation. They were to be taken down to Egypt. They were to be saved during the famine. But not only were they going to be saved, but they were kept apart from others. They were shepherds, and uh, as shepherds, they, that was considered an abomination by the, by the Egyptians. And so they were set apart in Goshen. They were kept as a distinct race. They were kept from mixing with the Amorites. They were kept from mixing with the Edomites. They were kept as the Lord's people. You see, the Lord was working out his purposes. The purpose had been there, given to Abraham so much, so many years before. In thee and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Well, this was going to be the blessing. It was going to come through Jesus Christ. Take many years to happen. But this was the Lord's purpose. This was the Lord's providence. He was working things out even there for the good of his people, for the good of his cause. We can lose sight through becoming short-sighted about the Lord's providence. But the Lord's providence to his people has this promise that he's making all things work together for their ultimate good. And it's a cause for joy rather than a cause for sorrow. And that's what we have here. The Lord turning the burden of these these brothers to experience consolation of the gospel through repentance. And then even to those who, those who, one who was already a believer, to come to know the joy of grief being turned. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. We thank Thee that Thou art still the same. Thou wilt pursue Thy people in thy providence and in thy truth. Thou wilt bring to conviction not only of sin as against ourselves to cause fear to us, to burden us with a sense of guilt, but as thou dost see that concern of soul Speaking as the New Testament, Joseph, making known in the tenderness of thy mercy, I am Joseph. I am your brother. The brotherly relations have not been broken. I am the one who is making all things 
work for good. And you have been instrumental in what you have done to me in operating for good. Oh, how gracious is the Lord Jesus Christ in his dealings with his people. May we come to realize something of that and to see the hatred of sin as against him. May we be unable to turn as these brothers were enabled with holy reversion from that sin against thee, thy goodness and mercy. May many be brought to repentance in the midst of our land this day through the preaching of the gospel, through the overruling of thy providence in their lives. May many of thy people come to realize the ongoingness of thy promise that thou art making all things work together for good. The ongoingness of thy grace sovereignly overruling every providence that seems to be contrary nevertheless to a good end. We thank thee that despite every attempt to destroy thy people through the generations and therefore to destroy thy cause and purpose, that purpose has nevertheless continued. Salvation is of the Jews as thou hast purposed. The Savior has come, and he is still held out to us as the only mediator, the only Savior, to deal with our sin to the uttermost, to bring us to a knowledge of thyself and the tenderness of thy mercy. Receive our worship. Receive our words. In Jesus' name, amen.